Hello, it's Fern here, popping in quickly before the show because I really want to hear from you. I'm forever grateful to you every single time you press play on an episode of Happy Place. And this show really is for you. So in the interest of doing more stuff that you love and less of the stuff you're not bothered by, I would love it if you took a couple of minutes to fill out a little survey for me. The link will be in the show notes. Your input on the content and the format and the guests and all those types of things is so important to help me and the Happy Place team shape the future of Happy Place. So just click on the link in the show notes to share all your thoughts and musings. I appreciate you loads. Hello, I'm Fern Cotton and this is Happy Place. Sometimes we uncover the hidden worlds of people we think we know well. And sometimes I like to introduce you to people you might not be so familiar with. Today is one of those days. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode. We're meeting David Katz, one of the world's most compassionate and empowering entrepreneurs. I love the saying that the perfect is the enemy of the good enough. Because people who are listening that want to participate as well get into this fear that it might not be good enough. Oh, it's not perfect yet. Like, oh, I can't try yet. I don't have everything answered yet. I have an amazing idea, but I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe if I fail, people will think I'm bad. That's the perversion that we need to fix. It's the knowing that you have an unlimited power inside of you to make change. How many amazing, life-changing, world-changing ideas have died on the vine because someone was afraid? David is the founder and CEO of The Plastic Bank. You might recognise that name already. I've mentioned them because they partnered with the sponsor of this series, We Do. The Plastic Bank works to stop ocean plastic while simultaneously improving the lives of poor coastal communities. I'll let David explain exactly how that works in just a moment. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, hold tight. This is a big one. This is the show. David, I'm so happy that we're getting to talk today. There's so much that I want to discuss around the work that you do. And I was I was introduced to the brilliant work you do through We Do, who I'm working with on this particular podcast series, because I know they partnered with you and you're helping them to make amazing changes with eradicating virgin plastic. And also every We Do product sold, you extract eight bits of plastic from the environment. So many amazing initiatives. So let's learn more about the plastic bank. So you help stop ocean plastic whilst also helping out the people that are collecting it. Can you tell us how the plastic bank works? A lot said in that statement. And yeah, we work with amazing organizations like we do. But the intention is to put the power in the hands of every single consumer so that everybody has the opportunity to make change in the world. Local action with 
global result. Now we do that in a beautiful, unique way. We're we're really modern alchemists, turning lead into gold, but here plastic into wealth, plastic into opportunity, plastic into hope, plastic into change. We recognize at the plastic bank that the majority of our plastic is entering the ocean from areas of poverty. And if we want to address marine debris, if we want to be able to have some some hope, some change on what is occurring, we have to address poverty first. No surprise, really, when we look at it, that if we want to help save the ocean, we have to end poverty. And in that conversation, the United Nations Global Development Goals, these 17 SDGs, are in order. We won't end hunger. We won't have gender equality. We won't be able to serve life below the sea if we don't end number one, which is end poverty. We're ending poverty to solve the other issues. Yeah, I think often we get that all in the wrong order, don't we? we you know, because I watched your TED talk and it really blew me away because you're saying, you know, cleaning up the ocean is, is the last thing we should be doing. And I was like, what? What's going on here? And now I have a, such a greater understanding of it and you're tackling things from the root cause. But, you know, as well as there being that wonderful element. We're going to talk about it some more later about how you work with communities that live under the poverty line and and how you're engaging with them and and the work that they're doing. But as well as that, you know, there are so many companies out there, big, big monster companies creating virgin plastic every day. We know that and there's tons of it and it ends up in in the oceans. When's that going to stop? In in our lifetime, are we going to see the end of virgin plastic production? I, I hope so. And that's our endeavor. That's the initiative. Almost all of the plastic we have ever produced as a species is still on the earth. Some of it has been incinerated for energy, very small amounts, fractions. It's estimated somewhere around, I'll round up a little bit, 10 trillion kilograms. 10 trillion kilograms. All the plastic still here. That's ridiculous. And we keep making more. The world will produce around 450, 500 billion this year. It's roughly a dollar to two dollars per kilo. It's depressing. At the same time, though, I can look at it and, and, and we need to look at things as opportunities. So we, that's what we do. We look at it as an opportunity. So 10 trillion kilo, a dollar a kilo, it's a 10 trillion dollar value. It's estimated that 500 billion can end all extreme poverty in the world. Maybe we've been inadvertently depositing the very value to end all injustice, all malnutrition, all inequality. How might we now use that as a resource transacted? Let me take the listeners back a little bit. So the Plastic Bank is a global chain of stores, bank branches for the poor, where everything is available to be purchased using plastic garbage from school tuition and medical insurance and Wi-Fi cooking fuel, everything the poor truly need but have struggled to afford using what was considered garbage now is money. It's incredible because... You know, like like you've said in your TED talk, recycling is going to be the last thing on their priority list. They are surviving. They're people that are surviving, trying to get through the day, uh, you know, get enough money together for basics like food and shelter. Of course, they're not going to be thinking about recycling. So this is a brilliant way that, that you're engaging with communities that are under the poverty line to not only, you know, help the planet, but to give them absolutely what we should all be receiving in life in society schooling tuition opportunity like you say and that's a huge amazing change to make self-mastery this opportunity where the individual becomes powerful 
not at the whim of some junta government, some condition, some environment, but they have the power inherent inside themselves. They see it and now they can begin using it. I've had an amazing experience in our work. I've been able to witness the change in people. I've been able to witness powerfully as they spoke it out loud to watch poverty leave them as they had a new paradigm of thinking, a time perspective where they could look in the future. They got past the condition of the hunger that they had today knowing that they had power it's been a remarkable experience i know it's um it's a brilliant thing that you're doing and it's just again i think many of us just feel i guess a sense of sort of hopelessness that it's down to people like yourself coming up with these initiatives and that they're not in a framework within society or the government that's not a government-led initiative that we can help people get out of poverty and also we can stop plastic ending up in the ocean because i don't know how you feel about this but this last 12 months we've seen the strangest things happen. You know, we've lived through the weirdest of times during this pandemic and we've seen the world slow down. You know, initially it kind of stopped for a bit. Everything slowed down. And, you know, the reason for that was because we were being guided by governments or World Health Organisations saying this is for welfare, this is for well-being, this is to stop fatalities, reduce fatalities. And we went to such extremes to do that. I mean, we still are. We're still coming out of the other end of that. But when it comes to stuff like this with the environment and poverty, it just feels like there, there's no rules. There's no governance. There's no guidance. It's like there's no point us being well and alive if our planet is literally dying. And we know that from the you know the rates of mass extinction, etc. So I think many of us at this end of it, where we are consumers, we are buying stuff, we want to do better, we want to buy better, we want to, you know, choose well. We often feel a bit hopeless because it's down to people like you rather than governments or world leaders to make this change. It's up to the individual. And I'm just some dude out of Vancouver that was crazy enough to continue persevering. I'm I'm not remarkable. I've got some tenacity and I've you know, an ability to persevere some pain, I guess, and insecurity. And every consumer is massively powerful. You can't disregard the fact that every time you buy something, you vote for it. Yeah. If you buy something that's overpackaged, that's single use, you can't complain. You can't sit back and say, oh, someone should do something about the ocean while you're taking all the extra flatware and drinkware and throwing it out and buying things from that are excessively packaged. You can't. What you get to do as a consumer is you get to show up and make a decision based on what you want to continue occurring. Uh, You you mentioned that there's no governance. I'd say that there is governance. There's governance over public entities because I would say that much of the degradation we're experiencing comes from those organizations that are publicly traded where there's a fiduciary duty of the CEO to manage and maximize profitability to the shareholder first at the disregard of the rest of society. Mm. So there is, but it's a perversion that we need to bring in a new paradigm of business. This is a great things like like with we do is a beautiful partner. You know, not only are they are participating with us, creating change in the world, they're creating a way for every consumer to make change. So if someone was to buy a we do product, they would extract even more material from the environment. Every bottle, every package you buy extracts eight bottles from the environment. See, that's a regenerative mindset. And this is the hope that I have in society because it's it's organizations like that that understand that the next generation of consumer isn't looking for the conversation around sustainability, like doing less damage. They're looking for organizations that are going to repair the damage that's been done. That's the only way we'll get to a society in a world that we can all thrive in. 
is that possible, David? Like, can we, like, if we're looking at the isolated crisis of the oceans, can we reverse the damage that we've done? You know, I can't comment on that. What I can comment on is that we need to begin trying. And we Mm. can't wait for things to be perfect before we start. I love the saying that the perfect is the enemy of the good enough. Because people who are listening that want to participate as well get into this fear that it might not be good enough. Oh, it's not perfect yet. Like, oh, I can't try yet. I don't have everything answered yet. I have an amazing idea, but I'm not sure maybe if I fail, people will think I'm bad. That's the perversion that we need to fix. It's the knowing that you have an unlimited power inside of you to make change. How many amazing, life-changing, world-changing ideas have died on the vine because someone was afraid? We have the power to do it. We have to begin trying. And more importantly, I think inside of it, we then get to become the society who becomes the people who get to make the change. It's much about the journey itself, more so than, than the outcome. What would it be like if we unified as a humanity to try to save the environment? What would it be like if every child around the world knew that there was hope, that they were persevering, that by stewarding the environment, their life was improved? Who would we be as a society? Much different than we are today. And that's the endeavor. We begin and then we become in it. No, I, I, it's so wonderful to hear you talk so passionately about it because I, it really resonates because I think often I might think, oh, What's the point? It's not going to do anything or it's not perfect, like you say. And it's it's that element of trying and also that collective power of thought. You know, like you say, there's power in us as individuals by supply and demand. If we're buying the stuff, they're going to keep making it. If we stop, or we make better choices. Those bigger companies will have to make changes. We're going to force them to. But also that collective thinking. You know, this is what we really need to have a conversation around, isn't it? Because in this day and age, there can be often such a sort of individualistic way of thinking. You know, like, I've got to strive. I've got to be the best. I've got to beat the person next to me. I've got to run the fastest, whatever it is. And actually, we kind of know that's not serving us anymore. That's not getting us anywhere. We've got to start thinking collectively. And we've done it throughout the pandemic. So we need to do that now for the planet. I mean, how do we start to, to shift that perspective? Because I feel like we're a long way from that. We've been forced to during the pandemic because we've had a little choice. But how do we do that? Having a sort of agency over our lives, making that decision to collectively gather with people and, and have that, you know, power in numbers to make positive change. You know, I I can't help but want to address as well that there is an ego attachment to the conversation of striving. I need more, I have to have more. I'm not valuable yet enough until I have something bigger, better, buy more, do more, spend more, which is ultimately as a result of all of the marketing messages that we receive that you are not yet pretty enough. And so we're in this place where where we live in our own diminished life. And we think that when we have something, but... You know, in, the, in, in this awakening and the knowing that we're a part of this beautiful, infinite experience and that we are enough and whole and complete, it's remarkable. And, that, oh, everything that I need is right here in the moment. I can truly be in the power of service of others. It's not about self anymore. Now it becomes others, which is a far richer, more more beautiful life. You know, I, I, I believe in a new awakening is coming, a consciousness is coming out of the ego mind. I think that that is awakening more powerfully today than we've ever seen before. So I think that's a beginning. Getting out of the thoughts of our head, that's a whole other conversation. But there's power in us. You know, let me ask you, do you think that in 50 years from now, like another whole lifetime away from me, another 50 years from now, with all the technology and the rapid pace of change, do you really think that you're going to take your waste bin outside and they're going to come by and pick it up and take it to a landfill? 
I bloody hope not. Like, hold on a second. That's going to change for sure. It's going to oh, change. It has of course, to. All, are all those materials going to be returned as a resource? For sure. Is there money in that waste? Of course there is. Whether it be the organics or the plastics or the metals, of course it is. It's certainly going to be a consumer-to-business model where all of those materials are returned into manufacturing because that is what we're demanding. That's what's unfolding. That's what the plastic bank has begun. We've started that process and we've started that in the world's emerging economies where they need it the fastest and the most because that's where plastic is leaching. Of course, that's going to occur. So we can see a consumer model. Now, within it as well, so again, so the consumer has the power, the consumer has the demand for it. And so even if you are an individual, what I want everyone to know, everyone that's listening, is you are immensely powerful. So when you go to your store, if you, if you go to a salon even, if you go to a, go to a Regis, go to something, go and say, what products do you have that help repair the earth? Even if they don't have something, they'll say, oh, oh, that's a demand. Oh, our customers are asking. And then they will ask the supplier and the supplier will say, oh, hold on a second. That's the demand. Then that's what will be created because every time you buy something, you vote for it. So even if they don't have it, you've got power in your voice. Everything is created from word. We speak things into existence first. It doesn't come from thought and then appear. It comes from thought to word. Then it comes into the universe. (laughs) and Then it's created. So go speak up. Go into your salon. Go into your store and ask them for products that are regenerative to society or made with 100% recycled content. That's what then will be created. We get to do it collectively. This isn't an individual opportunity. I'm not doing this. Thousands of people. I've just had an idea, used my word, engaged people to start being in action. But that feels hopeful, you know, when you talk about it like that. And But, you know, I think often we don't feel it. So, yeah, like, do you feel optimistic about this? Do you, you know, not you're when I watch the news. No. Of course I don't when I watch the news. So, I mean, no you know, there is optimistic. optimism. And how will you affect change when you feel pessimistic? You can't. So stop no. that. Stop being in, in, involved with those things that are just degrading and they're just people's opinions and perspectives. You have power. You have mastery. You are unlimited in the world. There's nothing that you can't do. It's just your voice is powerful. So it is optimistic because that's what the world is. It's infinite and full of opportunity and love and abundance and greatness and service. And then you get to become the person that gets to do that. It's an amazing journey of self. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, get 20, 20, get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, I, I'm wildly optimistic about things that I love and am deeply passionate about. And sometimes if you, you know, speak to pessimistic people or naysayers, they might think that optimism is whimsical or fanciful or whatever. But you, this is this is optimism teamed with practicality and a business model. I mean, you're, you're allowed to be optimistic because you know the inner workings of it. <laughs> That's why I can speak of it as an authority. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, listen, just in that conversation, I was saying that, you know, when you ask me for advice, I'd say, yeah, never take advice from someone who you don't aspire to be like. Mm. If you don't aspire to be that person, what do they have? How could they possibly give you any advice? Yeah, because I'm imagining, you know, you've created something 
unique and powerful and game-changing, but I'm sure you met many naysayers along the way in your journey to creating the plastic bank that was like, this can't be done, don't even bother. Was that the case? For the first six years, for sure. Wow. No question. People, oh, it's not possible. Well, oh, no, that's never going to work. Oh, no, we can't do that here. Well, is it against the laws of physics? If it's not against the laws of physics, it's possible. It's not against the laws of physics, so shut up. (laughs) Who are you to tell me it's possible or not? Just because you can't conceive of greatness, because you can't conceive of something of change in the world, that doesn't mean that it's my reality at all. They don't take advice from those people. I I show up in the world powerfully to make change, and I will die trying. I will die trying. This is my life's work. And it's remarkable. And I get to be the person who gets to make the change. It's amazing. Yeah. There's lots more inside of what we do as well. You know, this, this beautiful part that, you know, like I use the example of uh, Lisa in Haiti. I had her in my TED Talk too, but she's got a, a bunch of kids and she takes her children to school. And during the day, she goes out, she collects material. She's got a root. She also finds other material. At the end of the day, before she picks up the kids, she comes to the plastic bank location. She has the material deposited. It's like a bank branch, deposit plastic. And it's weighed, it's checked for quality and impurity and things like that. And then the value, the, the mass is agreed upon and then the value is transferred into an online bank account for her so she's got a online banking platform which we developed with a technology partner in the, in the blockchain so it provides absolute authenticity and safety for her so now she is safer from from her husband who wants to maybe drink the money or someone might rob her or so she and it's magnetic when you've got a bank account i think we all remember the first time we've had a bank account it's like oh i actually i'm a human i'm a part of society so just even the thinking of that provides great power to the individual collector who most don't even have a piece of government ID or, or last name or birth certificate. It's not even a bank account. Well, that's profound on its own. Now with Lisa, now she's got that money in her bank account. The, the material that was collected there from all the other collectors, it goes to one of our recycling partners in country where more value is added to it. And then we ship it to one of our customers. With Lisa now, Lisa, the more often she collects the material, the more frequently she returns it to one of the centers, the higher the quality, the better social interaction and social circle she has, it's easy for us to substantiate her consistency and reliability, which translates in the Western world to credit worthiness. Mm. So there's a credit rating that's attributed. So the access to immediacy of small loans is available. You see, now she's multiplying herself. You see, it wasn't just plastic. Now it's what it gives. It's the access that's available. That's the power. That's the alchemy. Because what does that mean? Like, oh, wow, I was able to to collect enough material to then borrow money, which I can then become a small entrepreneur with, and as the loan itself can be repaid with plastic. And what does that do for society? And what does it do for the rest of the community when they see that one person beginning to blossom? Oh, that's available for me too. Yeah, it's opportunity. And do you know, like, roughly how many how many communities or areas are you working with in this way globally? We, we started off in Haiti, which is a really crazy place to, to begin. We went to the Philippines, we went to Indonesia, and then we went to Brazil. While we're doing all that, we've just opened Egypt, remarkable ecosystems in Egypt. Now uh, we're scoping and about to open Thailand. We've made a commitment to Cameroon. And then in a partnership, we um, are moving into Tanzania and Kenya. So we're, we're growing quickly. It's, you know, we're a multinational organization that is affecting just around 20 
20 some odd thousand active collectors. We need wow. to continue growing that. It's just, just a drop in the bucket. I, I, wow. I, I'm humbled by the number like, oh, that's nice, but that's cute. But we need millions, millions and millions of people involved in what we're doing. And, and we need a billion consumers demanding the material as well. Yeah. Well, it's it's just a, a an amazing concept, and and you can you know like you've just described that there's such power in that. This isn't just like you know helping people out of poverty by oh you know let's give them a bit of money or build a school. This is this is their they're changing their lives. This you know they have autonomy over their own lives. It's autonomy is what we provide. It's their choice. They have power to make a choice over their life. That's what it provides. Yeah, I have a beautiful quote that defines me. I. I'm not sure where I heard it. I'm not sure I, I searched for it, but it reads, we have the opportunity to choose who our children's parents will be. We have the opportunity to choose who our children's parents will be. Oh, who do I choose as my children's father? Oh, wow. Well, if I had a choice, I would choose kind, benevolent, powerful, world-leading, compassionate, I have choice. You see, I have the ability to choose who I get to be in the world. Mm. That turns out to be a luxury. And that's what yeah. we hope to provide to the parents of children in the emerging economies. The ability to then choose who they get to be, which they yeah. have not ever felt that. The felt inflicted by the conditions that they live in with very little hope of change. Yeah. I mean, we just take that... We take that freedom for granted completely. And, you know, Europe and most of America and, you know, we're just like, oh, of course, you know, and we can tell our children, you can be whatever you want to be. And, and you know, it, we take that completely for granted. And we, yes, we do. Yeah, and we're, and we're constantly looking for ourselves and our children to, like, what those markers are and if we're doing it. And it's humbling to, to know that this isn't a problem for a few people. This is a huge, huge crisis for a, a huge global issue that, that, you know, you've created amazing infrastructure around. And, and, and looking at the environmental piece, you know, again, there's the, the element of mass extinction, which we know is just out of control and deeply, deeply sad. But also we now know, and this is the terrifying bit, but luckily I'm a vegan, um, plastics in the food chain whether you like it or not if you're eating fish you're probably eating plastic Isn't it? you know even you know if you're if you're vegetable forward you're also contributing you know you know materials are being shipped in plastic received yeah. in plastic so it's beautiful that you're vegetable forward as yeah. we should all be and there's still more to do and then again that comes to demand like oh this is what i'm looking for this is what i want like you know what i would like to be able to provide in this episode here this podcast is the power of the individual that they all have the power to make change and they can simply do it by buying something that's really kind of you know to finish that the supply chain conversation like once it's lease a return to material it goes to one of our customers it was a recycler then it goes to our customer so that when you were to buy a bottle it has social plastic in it when you were to buy something with social plastic in it that's the material we collect. That's the brand of it. It's social plastic. It's societal value. It makes sense. Not virgin material, not recycled content, but social plastic. When you buy that, you are you are directly contributing to the extraction of plastic from ocean down waterways and ending poverty. Remarkable. Or when you go and you buy like a we do product, if you go to a go to a Regis or a Supercuts or something like that and they've got that product there, you are contributing to change. You're absolutely making a profound, authentic difference that's why the blockchain for us everything else so you know that you're making change in the world because you need to be authentic with it so there's a lot of that conversation of power in the hand of the consumer we need to flip the model for the traditional public company 
that are that are really degrading society. We are where we are because of the pursuit of profit. That's again, it's the root of most evil, isn't it? Is money? Is you know, you know, you're using the improper a, use of money is the root of, of evil. There we the go. proper they, use of money is powerful. Power. I know, but so many are still using money improperly. Like, that's the huge depressing fact, isn't it? You know, like, because I'm thinking with the big companies that we know are creating single-use plastic in drinks all day, every day, they can afford to change their technology and use social plastic, but they refuse? Like, what? there's the demand the for it. The fiduciary duty of the CEO to ensure shareholder profit and above all other things. If they do something that compromises shareholder return, they could be jailed. Wow. It's in okay, fact the law. I thought. Okay. okay. This is where we find the new, new prevalence of B Corp. Yes. You've heard of B Corp. I have, B Corp yeah. allows the CEO to make different decisions. It allows the CEO to make decisions based on society with profit in mind, but yeah. without being jailed for serving the poor. But this is surely the future, right? So, so for any listeners who, who aren't aware of B Corps, you know, there, there are lots of companies here in the UK, actually, who have gone through the rigorous process of um, having to get a certain amount of marks, looking at how they you know, treat their, their, their employees and, and their, their team members, but also the environmental impact they have and the decisions they're making around how they do their business, basically, ensuring that it is always coming from that good place financially, but also ethically environmentally etc and it's a rigorous thing to go through isn't it it can take years for a business to get the full b corp seal of approval and you know you know i work with a couple of companies that have their b corps you know certification awesome they're done and surely that's the future even for you know small emerging businesses surely that's going to be high on the priority list because down the line will there not be You'd hope the government would implement sort of tax breaks for those sorts of companies to ensure that most companies then fit in line with, with that, that, that way that of begins. thinking. B Corp begins now organizations. And as we continue to vote for that and want that, more organizations will continue to be formed that way. What we need to see is more of the big FMCGs, the big companies in the world, the transition to B Corps. Like you know, Danone, the French company, became a B Corp. But now they're, you know, they're certainly much more benevolent, changing the world, like bringing in food. Everything else they do gives them the freedom to make different decisions. So more and more organizations. So it's the beginning. Everything begins. So again, one more anecdote of hope that the change is occurring. One thing that strikes me in it all is that out of all of the species that have ever existed on the earth, somewhere around 10 billion species, humans just being one of those species, one in 10 billion. Out of all of the species, humans are the only ones capable of stewarding all others. The only species capable of caring for the rest of them. And look what we're doing. I know. I mean, it it can keep you up at night if you really start thinking about this one. It's horrific. And even, you know, knowing like we, there was lots of conversation in the UK a few years ago, there still is, about, oh my God, you know, bees are in trouble. Beautiful, fluffy bumblebees, they're in trouble. We've got to look after these guys because otherwise our whole ecosystem collapses because they're dashing around checking out all the pollen. If they're not doing their job, we're absolutely screwed. And I think, you know, we can feel hopeless, but going back to your passion and optimism, I think most people listening to this, myself massively included, we can feel hopeful and empowered knowing that 
these big companies that might be just, you know, looking at cash flow rather than looking at the planet, they're not in control. We are the ones in control because we are voting with our money. And I think that's the thing that we all need to remember here is that we can't go, oh, well, they're going to do it anyway. We've got to vote with our cash. And then when you're vocal and you tell others as well, like, like really, like, like get back to it. If you walk into a store, walk into a M&S or say, I don't go walk into somewhere and go, what products do you have of recycled content? What products do you have social plastic? And then what products do you have that regenerate society? It poses the idea that at least someone will hear it go, oh, people are asking. And the more people that ask that, they then go to their supplier, which are the big polluters of the world, and say, no, this is what consumers are looking for. Yeah. It's come yeah. That, that's the way it works. Yeah. And we've got to do it. You know, we can't wait around for this one. We've got to do this now because if any of us have watched any David Attenborough shows, etc., we know that that time where things get really scary is like really soon. It's in our lifetime if we don't make changes. And that's why we need to take action now. And like you say, you know, we don't have to all be scuba diving to the bottom of the ocean to pick out plastic. We can ask questions and we can buy things that are in line with this thinking. We can buy our way into change. We don't have to change anything. Mm. This is the thing, like a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Mm, I can't yeah. argue the big brands into change. I can't c- convince my collector communities to recycle when they don't have, if I can't convince you, I can't argue into something. So if I can stay within that same paradigm and not have to change that, but exhibit a new way, but then go, has them then choose as well, go, oh, that's whether that's what's required. Oh, beautiful. It's much easier than trying to argue people into change. Well, it's also the right way, you know, because look at the way that you've engaged with communities living under the poverty line. You know, what right would we have to say to anybody who has, you know, nothing in life to say you need to be not you drinking out of that plastic bottle? We have no right to do that. But you've provided a framework that offers autonomy, agency and opportunity. And that changes the game. It's amazing. We don't have to teach anybody anything. They just go, oh, that just makes a ton of sense. It's one of the reasons we have, you know, we also have a couple hundred schools uh, currently. We get the COVID really took a drop down on, on that programming, but we're coming back powerfully. We have hundreds of schools that, you know, in, in many of the emerging markets, the government can't afford the school. Like within Haiti, the government does not pay for school. The family member has to pay. It's roughly $20 a month to send a child to school. It's less than $80 a month is the average income. So if you've got two children, you're only making $80 a month. Do your kids go to school or do you eat? So, so there's no access, which is why poverty will be so pervasive in that country for so long. However, what we've done and what we believe is powerful is we've created collection locations at schools. Because the only place children should be working hard is at school. We have to do everything we can to make sure children are a part of the ecosystem. But when we have collection locations at schools, the family return the household plastic to the school to pay for the tuition. Mm. So it makes it easier for more children to go to school. And then in some communities, the whole community brings all the material and it becomes scholarships for the other children in the community they know that want to come to school that can't. Wow. How beautiful is that? And then the child themselves learn that by stewarding the environment, the poverty of their family ended. Yeah. That's a beautiful message as well. It is. It is. We also have a program for faith. We're not faith-based, but we have a beautiful program for faith. We started off in, in, in Catholicism with the Vatican. That's what had me 
meet the Pope and we've got this beautiful endorsement. Wow. What we created, we created a beautiful program for the church that encourages the parishioner to not just bring tithing or offering, but to bring the recycling with them as well. Because every small community around the world has both a place of education and a place of worship. That's what's common. And so as we continue to scale in the world and create something that truly is globally exponential with speed, we recognize those that infrastructure exists. So how do we create a place for every community to be able to return their material? So it's powerful, simple, but it has love in it. It just has stewardship of other. And where I, where I take you with all of that is back to the B Corps, back to all of those. You see, there is even more abundance in serving others. There's even greater profitability in serving more people, ensuring that even more people win, ensuring that the environment wins. There's even more profitability in it because now it's endearing as well. It's love-filled, it's service-filled, and everybody wants you to win. So it's beautiful. It is the way to do business. I think that the old paradigm of business is changing. We're coming to a new way of service, a new way of being, a new way of listening to consumer. And I'm very hopeful for what's occurring. I think uh, I'd probably speak for the Western world more than anywhere else, but this is more of a regression or a remembering than it is a, a new thing in, in terms of collective thought, because I think the individualistic thinking is quite a new thing, probably in the last... I'm taking a wild punt at saying last couple of centuries that we've started, and really in the UK from the 80s onwards, that people started really going, and also maybe adopting some of the American dream that we can have anything, do anything, buy anything. And really this is going back to a a community-based old school way of thinking, including the planet within that collective. And it's almost again empowering to go, this isn't us having to think in a new way. This is just remembering and doing what our ancestors, you know, thousands of years were doing, which is looking out for everybody, looking out for the environment and looking to the planet for cues, looking to the planet and nature for nods as to how to live and how we should go about our business. So it's almost sort of going back in time in terms of thought, but then living in in a modern world with the complexities that that brings. So I think that's... It's a really nice way of dealing with everything in all of our lives. You know, that sort of collective thinking. It's something that I I know I sort of, you know, I'm very curious about and want to do more of. And like you say, that's where the abundance lies. It's not in, oh, yeah, I bought myself a new watch. I feel wicked for about a day. And right. then it's gone. Right. Yeah, that other way of thinking is like, that's forever good happiness, isn't it? Amen. Right. Amen. Yeah. Wow. And then it takes you over. It uses you. This is the thing. I, you know, I like the expression that it uses you. The new way of thinking uses you. And it appears in all kinds of other ways. Like when you're starting to actually serve others and be there, you, you find more ways to serve. You, your life becomes more full at the same time. You want less. You feel like you need less. Less validation, affirmation when you're in the service of things. It's maybe counterintuitive to so many, but when you begin... It uses you and then you get to become that person in the world. Yeah, we're just told mainly by advertising companies that it's the other way around. I think that's often it, isn't it? It's not it's not much more than that. It's advertising and I guess you know that seeps into social media. They're not serving you. Let's be clear. Yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. they're not there to tell you that you will actually be better. They're there having you convince you to have them become better. 
Yeah. Your degradation is their profitability. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like your lacking is is wicked to them. They're loving it. Like they will convince you of your lacking that you didn't know you had. <laughs> you didn't even know you had exactly. You didn't even know there was anything wrong with you. You had no right. clue. <laughs> right. Like when did white teeth become a big thing? Oh God. I mean in England only about five years ago that became a thing. You know, we we've we've historically loved having yellow teeth. It's fine. It was fine. Nobody cared. But now it's like, oh, my goodness, you've got yellow teeth. Like, oh, I'm a bad person. Same, 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 same. Isn't it funny? Like, it's so weird when you start to break it down because, again, that's empowering. Like, oh, that is that doesn't make me wrong or, you know, flawed. This is just a, a script that's been written that we're all now adhering to so other people can make money. No, I completely agree. And if you look at, you know, even sort of look at famous people in the 80s or the 70s, there's all sort of you know, chipped wonky teeth or, you know, badly applied makeup or chip nails or whatever. And no one cared. It was all sort of unique, you no, know, we allowed just uniqueness. To be to be, to, we to allowed be human. you. We saw you as whole and complete as you were. Yeah. And now we've been told that we're broken. Yeah. We're told that we're not good enough. And of course, if I'm not good enough, others might, might not be good enough or others might be proving me I'm not good enough. So I now live in a fear state. Yeah. What degradation yeah. of, of, of women experienced from that? Oh, You're not good gosh. at what? Are you kidding me? We've been marketed that. What ridiculous. I know. Well, that plays into so many horror stories with women's body issues. You know, I've experienced that in tremendous ways in my own life. And that is, again, just a script that we're given to market things. And, you know, I think, again, you know, we need to look at our own autonomy around what stories we believe in and, Going back to money, where we, where we vote, so we make good change in all of this. And that's where our, our partnerships yeah. with like we do, like just you know, gotta chat out because they're so beautiful, so authentic, so powerful, and making this commitment to really be regenerative. And even like the, you know, products like you know, like you know, shampoo bars, like okay, it's like package free shampoo bar. Oh, beautiful, right? So shampoo bar, like what? I don't need a big plastic bottle. Like what? Yep. I can minimize that. I get more use out of it as well. It's a really beautiful thing. Like that's that's amazing. Buy a product and it extracts material from the environment. It's regenerative. So they can't even use some of the material sometimes. We're extracting it and putting it back into circulation. Powerful. Yeah. And then and then there's, you know, these opportunities, I understand, from Earth Day at Supercuts, they'll, they'll double it. They'll match it. So go to a salon, ask for a We Do product in 16 bottles, will be extracted from the environment. You see, there's all kinds of other ways for people to use it as a business element. Yeah. So, like, it's an activation. It's that, so that's great marketing. Well, how about we pay attention to the marketing to help change the world? Like, oh, if I spend my money there, I contributed to something powerful. Mm, I helped yeah. others. I did for others. A much, much more powerful way to live. It's very cool. You know what? I, I didn't know going into this chat if I would feel... You know, hearing the sort of crisis we're in, if I'd feel more panicked, but I don't. I feel absolutely hopeful talking to you. I feel absolutely, I feel much more optimistic than I did previously because I think with a model like this and a new way of thinking, we can reach those milestones that are so needed to stop the damage that we're doing and to stand a chance of keeping all the beautiful creatures on the planet that are here now. So I think, you know, it's so important to have conversations like this because I think. We can be bombarded with awful statistics and facts and we can go away and panic and go, oh, my God, I just want to bury my head in the sand. I can't bear it. Or, you know, we can learn, like I'm learning from you right now, we can learn where those spots we can feel optimistic and empowered by. So I, I really appreciate everything that you've said today and I'm so 
massively motivated by what you're doing. It's just so brilliant and it's so exciting to hear what you're doing. Yeah, it's really amazing. Thank you for that. It's awesome. It's beautiful. And it's it's work and there's more to be done. And I invite everyone that's listening to participate and go to plasticbank.com and put your name down. Vote for what we're doing. Ask for what we're doing. Refuse single-use material. Don't be a part, you know, I like the saying, you can either be a part of the solution or part of the pollution. Just a choice. Mm. You can't be a part of the pollution, then complain that there's no solution. Like, well, you are the pollution. What are you doing? So you're powerful. So, you know, every listener needs to take away that they're immensely powerful. They get to vote. I need everyone listening. Hopefully there's thousands of you that are now going to go to the store and say, hey, show me the products that are recycled content or regenerative society. I want to, those are the products I'm looking for. Okay, that's powerful. Just what a conversation it would be for a store manager to hear that. Like, oh, hold on a second. This is what people are at. It will make change. So we're all immensely powerful. Don't forget that. And, and you can do that through just a simple daily practice. Lots of, lots of beauty in all of it. Oh, well, David, what an absolute joy to talk to you. I absolutely loved it. And, um, and just keep doing the amazing work that you're doing. I can't wait to see how it grows and expands. And, you know, we see this sort of thing completely normalized all around the world. Yeah, thank you. It needs to be normalized, right? Absolutely. Thank you, David. My pleasure. Don't be the pollution, be the solution. I absolutely love that. God, isn't David amazing? I genuinely do believe that I personally, well, that all of us have the power to make a real difference. I don't feel that hopelessness that I felt. For, well, I always feel, I feel genuinely optimistic. So, David, thank you so much for your time. Please tell all your friends about this episode. I really want to get David's word out there because what he's saying is just powerful and makes perfect sense. And, of course, you can support this happy place by subscribing to the podcast and joining the conversation on Instagram, where you can find us at Happy Place Official. Thank you again to David and to the producer, Anushka Tate, at Rethink Audio. The biggest thank you, as ever, goes to you, for listening I really appreciate it and I'll see you next week ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.